Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the Poisoner's Cabinet. I'm Sinead. And I'm Cornelius van Vinkbooms. So nice to see you, Cornelius. Pleasure to be here. This is your weekly podcast, as you know, exploring the lives of the great poisoners and poisoning cases across the centuries and creating curious cocktails inspired by the tales that we tell. And it's episode 18! Hurrah for such a number. Cornelius, lovely to have you on the show. It's a pleasure to be on. Thank you for inviting me. Exactly. After last week's (laughs) excitement, I'm so glad that you could make it. Famous Cornelius van Vinkbooms. (laughs) You have been living his life. I really have been thinking about that name all week. I just love it. Absolutely love it. It's the one thing that has just stuck in my head through 17 episodes of these we've recorded. It's the one thing that is just in my head. It really has booms. permeated your love life. It. Like you lie awake at night thinking about his name and thinking yep. how you will craft his life for yourself. Yep. Without the poisonings, hopefully. Without the poisonings, quite. Well, well, how are you, Nick? Yeah, I'm all right. General bumbling along. Lovely. The shops are open, but I haven't actually been shopping yet, so. Oh, no, no. Oh, God, no. Because no, it seems I'm... like everyone in the world is going shopping which is like do you really need new pants that badly i know i i don't get it the queues over here in england outside of sports direct and primark and you know fast fashion all of this people just queuing up you don't need jeans that bad well perhaps they do you've either done amazingly well on your lockdown diet and like a super fit and need new clothes or like the most of us it's all gone horribly wrong well, yeah <laughs> see i've i've just ordered new clothes three times the size bigger <laughs> Um, just, I've just done it online um, rather than having to go through the shame of going to a shop and going, have you got this in 15XL? Um, <laughs> There's probably going to be a very bittersweet journey for many people in the shops. <laughs> Nothing fits! But yes, we haven't done that. We've been nope. good. We've stayed in and continued to eat and order shit on Amazon. Well, some of us have been actually at work. Yes, you have been at work. Your shop is open. Uh, the vital, vital supplies of very luxurious furniture. <laughs> vital the sofas that the shop that nick works in they are amazing it's the kind of shop you walk in and go i can't possibly afford this but i'll find the money <laughs> that's where the insurance fraud poisoning comes in ah of course oh well i was gonna say any poisonings this weekend <laughs> is that what you're working towards i'm sure there have been many okay that's dark <laughs> Uh, anyone who is uh, listening to this podcast for the first time, particularly um, some of the people maybe from my old school alumni who heard me do a very professional talk on uh, social media marketing at the beginning of this week. Yeah, this is my other life. 
This is her normal life. This is my normal life. This is what I do. This is how Sinead does business, really. This is how I do business. All that stuff I was telling you about being professional and, you know, and having a really good plan and content and strategy. Uh, it's all, all lies. All lies. All lies. Just ramble about poison and cocktails and you'll go far. But anyway, Nick. Hello. Are you ready to drink cocktails and talk about poison? Oh, God, yes. I need a cocktail. Or drink poison and talk about cocktails? Ah, uh, nah. Nah. I really want that cocktail. Yep, it's cocktail time. So it is Nick's story this week. Yes, hello. It's me. I was talking to the listeners. Listeners, dear listeners, it is Nick's story. But you also get to choose the secret ingredient for the cocktail. Mm-hmm. Very exciting. The cocktail inspired by the tale that we tell. So, Nick, what is this week's secret ingredient? We're going with aniseed balls. Aniseed balls. Yes. Sweets. Okay, sweets. Vile and unpleasant <laughs> yes, sweets. Yes, exactly. I'll, I'll give you that. <laughs> sweets in theory nonetheless. Can we have a poll of our listeners, please? Who enjoys an aniseed sweet? I'm not talking about aniseed-based yeah. drinks. Not talking about... They have a place. They have a place. Aniseed balls. Just just lies. Lies is what they are. There's no sugary goodness and happiness. It's just unpleasantness for a while. Oh, I entirely agree. I think they're vile. But someone in this story likes them. Interesting. Okay, then. Well, with the aniseed various liquors and liqueurs and spirits. Or it could just be a pint of water with some aniseed balls in. There you go. Have that. <laughs> Well, actually, a whole pint of vodka with aniseed balls in it. It's a cocktail! <laughs> it's a cocktail. <laughs> Don't imagine going to a dinner party, <laughs> walking in. Oh, cocktails are dead. It's a pint of vodka and aniseed balls. A pint of vodka and aniseed balls. <laughs> Lovely. We're going to put football on in a minute. Hey. <laughs> Just my sort of party. It's exactly your sort of party. <laughs> I'll be there with the lads, you know. <laughs> with a pint afterwards. With a pint. Yeah, cheeky pint. With a pint of vodka. Yeah. <laughs> Up the spurs. Okay, there's no aniseed balls in the cocktail, is there? Because I have there none. There are no aniseed balls in the cocktail. Oh, thank God. So what have you devised using this horrendous ingredient? <laughs> I hope you might like it. Oh, we are going to make this week a classic, classic cocktail. The Corpse Reviver. Oh, the Corpse Reviver. Yes, I've heard of this. Ooh, Corpse Reviver. Specifically, the Corpse Reviver number two. Number, number two. There are several different versions. This is the number two. Okay, good. And Nick delivered me one of the secret element, well, the secret ingredient for the cocktail earlier because obviously we're still in lockdown. And he dropped off a bottle of kind of greenish yellow liquid, which I thought might have been urine. And then I was <laughs> going to tell him to go to a doctor immediately because <laughs> this ain't normal. Yeah. And not often do I walk <laughs> to your house and present you with a bottle of wee. <laughs> I don't. And that if you if you thought I had, but you accepted it so great. I didn't know um, what the secret ingredient was this week, Nick. I don't know how trad we're going on the cocktails. I didn't mention it until now. I haven't opened the bloody thing. Also, I was aside from the we terror. The far more frightening thing was I thought it might have been chartreuse. It could be. It has a very similar colour. Yeah. Um, it is not chartreuse. Can you guess what it is? Well, if it's aniseed and it's not ouzo, which was where my brain went immediately and I was like no, it's clear, you silly woman. Let's go with absinthe. Yeah, I see. Yes, indeed. Absinthe. So we do have absinthe in this oh, one. Ha, 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 ha. What a classic Victorian libation. Delicious. Well, it's time to mix up one of these bad boys. So we're going to go to our isolation kitchens and shake up a storm. See you in a minute. See you in a bit. And we're back. Hello. So, Nick, mm. Cops Reviver has been created. 
Looking forward to this. An incredible list of ingredients in this one. It's quite cool. Quite frightening. <laughs> quite <Yes>. frightening. <laughs> Not going to argue with that. Talk us through it, Nick. We have gin. Very nice. Yep. Uh, triple sec. Lille Blanc. Ooh. Uh, so white vermouth. Um, and then lemon juice as you are the main body of the ingredients. So we're looking at equal parts of all of those. Yeah, one to one to one to one to one. Um, and then where the absinthe comes in, we have an absinthe rinse in the glass. A little bit in, in the bottom of the glass. Give the glass a good swirl around so the inside is coated and then discard the rest. So you only need a tiny drop because a lot goes a long way. Mm. But I mean, absinthe is such an incredibly powerful flavour. I mean, I, it's, it's sitting on the desk next to me and the only thing I can smell is absinthe. Uh, when you said a tiny amount of absinthe, I did use a very small amount, but probably more than you're supposed to because I was just painfully paranoid about not coating the glass properly. So I was like, if I use more and swill it around loads, then that would be great. I did tip it out, but <laughs> I'm covered in absinthe fumes. So a beautiful, <laughs> beguiling cocktail. Weird list of ingredients. I've no, I've no idea how it's going to turn out. So let's give it a go. Let's, let's give it a go. Dive in. Whoa! I mean, that's that's gonna that's mm. gonna wake you up. Wow, that is gonna wake you up. <sighs> that's why. I mean, that's why it's called a corpse reviver. So it's one of the sort of original pick me up cocktails. Yeah, it's. Well, that's a bizarre combination <laughs> of flavors. And then, the, then just when you think it's done, the absinthe sort of kicks the in. Comes yes, in there's a trace of it, kind of ghostly in the background. La la slaps la, you around la. the face. <sighs> yeah. What do you think of that? I, I actually quite like this. I've had this one before. I must admit, I've never made it myself before, but I've had it in bars and things before. I mean, yeah, and it is a true, true classic. It's, I mean, it's in the Savoy cocktail book written in the 30s by a chap called Harry Craddock, and that is the, the Bible for classic cocktails. And there's a brilliant bit of description in the book. I've got a copy on the shelf. It says, to be taken before 11am or whenever steam and energy are needed. <laughs> it, then, it then goes on to say... Four of these taken in swift succession will unrevive the corpse again. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad it, it went down absolutely that route. Absolutely true. <laughs> oh <my God>. <laughs> <laughs> so saying like three is fine on this. Three is five. Bloody four, hell. you're dead. <laughs> Eleven a.m. Right, that is the new thing. When the rest of us need to go back to the office, we can insist upon this. We have become accustomed at eleven a.m. There's no longer a coffee break. It's a corpse reviver. It's, it's a corpse reviver, and it's oh, it's strong as well. Yeah. Oh yes. <laughs> It's a second sipper. I'm going in for another drink. Oh. It's beguiling. There's a lot to like about that. I think I like it, but it, to be honest, the absinthe is ruining it for me. Oh, fair <laughs> enough. It's not that I'm opposed to aniseed drinks because I've gotten used to them, more used to them the older I get. Absinthe, I never really drink absinthe of an evening. I don't no, well, sit no, with my no sugar one, spoon. Well, you should, I mean, this the absinthe you've got there is a really is a good one yeah so if you're if you are ever going to do that the with the spoon with the over the ice water this is the one to do it with first sip you get is a really nice cocktail which is lemon and orange and gin and a bit of the lillet in there which is lovely and it's like oh this is really nice but then afterwards for a long time you're just left with absinthe <laughs> it's like you've had a really great party and like four fr- like five friends turn up and the four ones that you really like fuck off and then you're left with a weird one who just sits there staring at you <laughs> that's what this cocktail is like so me- memories of childhood came flashing back to me there (laughs) (laughs) which one were you (laughs) (laughs) we all know which one that is (laughs) the one drinking absinthe in the corner exactly (laughs) i always thought i was one of the four going yeah come on guys let's go oh you've left (laughs) it's a great cocktail yeah try it i think the combination of flavors is fantastic it's it's a genius stroke whether it's to my taste or not is is beside the point but as a concoction (laughs) it is quite brilliant Yes. Oh, it, I really am going oh, 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 after that one. <laughs> Fuck it, Nick. Let's go for a run. Come on. <laughs> 
Let's have another one. But no more than three. No more than three. <laughs> At four, we shall die. <laughs> Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. So with our cocktails firmly in hand, tell us, what tale shall we be discussing this week? Today we have the tale of Jane Toppen. Oh, Are you aware of Jane Toppen? I am aware of the name. Not of the entire story, but as we are a poisoning podcast, of course, the name comes up. <laughs> so, let us begin. Are we sitting comfortably? Yes, very alert. <laughs> so Jane, arrested in 1901 after confessing to 31 murders. Bloody hell. Jane is quoted to say that her ambition was to have killed more people, more helpless people, than any other man or woman who ever lived. Lovely. Which is an interesting claim. Yeah, that's an interesting claim. That is a real... <laughs> it's, a, it's a bold claim. I mean, thankfully, despite her best attempts, she wasn't able to fulfil that ambition. Oh. Although one newspaper at the time describes Jane as worse than the political profligates of the medieval type. They used poison against their enemies, while she used it against her friends. That's a great description. That journalist made it a bit about them, though, didn't they? <laughs> <laughs> Is it, isn't that journalism, dear? <laughs> it's not exactly reporting on the crime. I'm going to come up with the best analogy for this murder. 31 people are dead. Don't think a great deal has changed in that regard. Indeed, indeed. <laughs> so, I mean, I mean, nobody, no matter how close they were, was safe from Jolly Jane. Ooh. So Jane was born Nora Kelly in Boston in 1857, the youngest daughter of two Irish immigrants, Peter and Bridget. Bridget died of tuberculosis when Nora was only a few years old, leaving Peter to raise them um, on his own. Oh. Peter, unfortunately, not a great paternal influence. He was a tailor by trade, good, but also a raging alcoholic, less good. I thought you were going to stop at tailors. He was a tailor. Terrible father. <laughs> father. No, alcoholic and probably some form of mental illness in there as well. Oh, um, so those are the bits that made him not, not quite so grand. His abusive behaviour earned him the nickname 
Kelly the crack, but not in the good version of crack, like the Irish one, but in the sort of cracked in the head. Right. Of, okay. Good. Different different type of crack entirely. <laughs> or um, he was on crack. Or he was on crack by 1860. So only when Nora's three years old, her and her sister Delia are taken away and put into care in the Boston Female Asylum. Oh Jesus! She, they had an elder sister, Nellie, who was supposedly old enough to, to try and make her own way in the world but it mm. seems unfortunately like her father she also suffered for some mental illness and was eventually committed to an asylum as well so we don't know exactly what happened to peter in the end but legend and rumor has it that he suffered a psychotic break and using his tailor skills he sewed his own eyelids shut what which is a an interesting look that's and not a possible fairly de- well i think it probably would be if you were so determined to do it i guess if you just go to that place in your head where you're feeling your pain um i don't recommend trying no incredibly impressive something that you won't be able to admire your handiwork at the end of well you will when you're halfway through (laughs) oh that's a chilling image that's yeah peter not a not a well man i don't like this story I mean, generally, we do talk about fairly unpleasant things. I'm going all out this week. <laughs> well, yeah, I think we had such frivolity and lovely and japes last week, even though we were discussing a murderer. Now we're going depth into the darkness. We're back back into the doom and gloom and terror <laughs> okay. of the unpleasantness. So Boston Female Asylum, as we spoke about earlier, uh, was founded as an orphanage. Um, in 1799 i mean this was long before any form of state aid um, and it was entirely reliant on charity and the generosity of the wealthy who acted as this sort of like social safety net it was originally set up to care for orphan children between three and ten but it soon expanded to include children from broken homes and from abusive homes like Nora and Delia. Uh, so you can imagine it's not going to be a happy... No, not, not, not picturing the nicest of places. Nora left the asylum when she was eight and she was fostered out as an indentured servant. Okay, good. To a widow named Anne Toppen. Um, and but it looks like Nora was the fortunate one um, Delia wasn't lucky enough to find a position in service and when she was taken out of the um, the orphanage when she was too old and she was kicked out um, she was driven to become a prostitute oh, God. to survive so you say indentured servant you don't think lucky but I think in this case yeah, um, at eight years old it was certainly of the, the, the better of the, the options that she that exactly. she had eight years old then you're going off to be a servant but that's the nice way of doing it otherwise you stay in the abusive care system of the time and then prostitution for you and then prostitution on the way out okay okay so the eight-year-old is in someone's house yeah the eight-year-old is is now in the in the home of Anne toppen Anne toppen didn't much like the irish what and changed nora's name to the less gaelic sounding jane what (laughs) she told everyone that jane was italian whose parents had died at sea oh oh i don't (laughs) like this bitch and and I mean it helped that uh, Jane, Nora as she was, had dark hair and and olive skin. Hang on, I've got a question. Was she Irish at all? <laughs> so th- th- she was. She was thought to have been descended from the survivors of the Spanish Armada. Mm. The, those boats that were shipwrecked and the survivors came ashore in Ireland and settled. Obviously, they had their Mediterranean complexion, and so Jane was thought to be descended from them. Uh, yeah. Okay. So so she doesn't like the Irish, and she goes. She she's Italian. Fine. <laughs> and those Italians gave the Renaissance. Okay, fine. <laughs> and a lot of poisoners, so we got to give them that. Uh, I mean, Jane was raised alongside Anne's own daughter, Elizabeth. But though she was never allowed to forget where she came in, the, the pecking order um, mm. in the household. And on one occasion, she was severely scolded uh, for daring 
to help herself to some aniseed sweets that were on the side that Elizabeth and Anne had been happily helping themselves munching away throughout the evening Jane dares to try and take one from the from the bowl hand slapped away no not for you this is proper cinderella story really isn't it yeah well. but also as she tasting the aniseed bowl would be punishment enough I think. <laughs> maybe so you must not have any more of those sweets trust me i don't want to <laughs> yeah, that's fine with you me. two are crazy one good thing about anne is that she did send jane to school fair enough jane did get a modest education i suppose well done well done anne for that but you, you have some dodgy views jane was not particularly popular at school. Um, she enjoyed telling tales and classmates. She blamed other people for her own misdeeds and spread rumours and gossip about anyone she believed who had, had crossed her or um, said a bad word against her. She was she was there with her own rumours. When Jane turned 18, her contract with Anne ended and she was free from her indenture. And she was given $50 for Ooh. the... For the privilege, I you have worked for me for the past ten years. But that's quite good, actually. Yeah. Which well, is yes. Is, 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 is Anne that mean? I is don't she... think she's. I don't think she's mean. I think she's. Well, to us now, to turn around and say we're gonna we're gonna erase your past and your heritage, and to slap you from having sweets. I mean, she wasn't paid for her no, work. No, of course, yeah. You get free, but you get room and board. And board. And, yeah. She got her meals. She was educated, which a lot of girls weren't. So Jane's done all right yes, out of this, hasn't she? Out of the situation, especially compared to her sisters, she's done pretty well. Jane was was free to go, but she had nowhere. She had nowhere to go. She she stayed with Anne. She stayed as a live-in servant um, until Anne passed away in the eighteen seventies. Elizabeth, Anne's daughter, soon married. And Jane stayed on working for her foster sister until 1885, when she decided, okay, now enough is enough. I need to go and make a life of my own. Born in 1857, so that would have made her 23, 28. 28, ripe old age. I mean, even with the modest education that Jane had received, which was, as we say, was better than many girls at the time, Mm. she still had very limited options. Um, But one thing about Jane is she never lacked confidence in her own abilities. And she decided to go for one of the most challenging careers that was available to her in 1887 so a couple of years later she was accepted into the nursing school of cambridge hospital in boston what do you think i was thinking the most challenging career a woman can go into okay sea captain penis model (laughs) (laughs) what's the most challenging thing she could do acrobat (laughs) i think at the time that probably wasn't on the table it's it's not it's not terribly exciting if she had been you know a unicycle delivery woman then i would have been impressed <laughs> and the only one in the world at that time the only one in the world that's what makes it so challenging they don't accept many people <laughs> but she's accepted in as a nurse okay great good profession say, at cambridge hospital in boston i mean jane was aware that her attitude at school had not earned her many friends so she decided this was a chance to reinvent herself and to begin with she did well and she earned the nickname jolly jane oh it's very nice but life as a trainee nurse is hard 12 hours a day seven days a week still is two weeks holiday a year but compared to the life of a domestic servant the work was interesting it's going to be varied you're going to learn a lot you're going to meet new people it's not just i'm going to dust the chandelier (laughs) there's very little of that in nursing very little of that in nursing and jane was thriving but even though she made a few friends she's still prone to spreading a bit of gossip ingratiating herself with staff and senior doctors and on at least two occasions she made up rumors about someone that resulted in women being expelled from the school bloody hell so she's she's clearly striving for attention 
yes. and wants to eliminate any competition. Yeah, absolutely. She she wants to be the best and the centre of attention. Precisely. I mean, but one thing Jane had was she was a favourite among patients. Uh, she was bright and hardworking oh. and enthusiastic, and she enjoyed spending time with patients. Although it was later discovered that Jane had altered and falsified some records to ensure that the, her favourite patient stays in hospital were perhaps a bit longer than was strictly necessary. Perhaps a wrong dose of medication meant that they had a longer stay than was necessary. Uh, but who would have suspected Jolly Jane? Jolly, Jolly Jane. Jane wouldn't do such a thing. Wouldn't she? <laughs> I mean, one thing that was noticed was that she had a rather sour attitude towards the elderly patients she had to look after. She she um, often commented, there was no use keeping them alive. Bloody hell. But, but at the time, it was, again... Classic joke from Jolly Jane. Funny times. <laughs> I mean, as a student, Jane develops a passion for pharmacology. And she begins her poisonous career by secretly dosing her patients with opium okay. to see the effects different doses will have. Interesting. And she enjoys watching her patients suffer. After her first victim dies and she wasn't caught, she begins to experiment more. This time she mixes atropine, which is comes from belladonna drug derived from Belladova with morphine she combines the two Ooh. the atropine dilates pupils mm. the morphine contracts pupils Ooh. the two effects cancel each other out no one knows doctors are mystified the the, the side effects of both drugs they are not there well tell me they weren't just looking at their eyes for evidence <laughs> Like, this person is convulsing and very ill and vomiting and shitting everywhere. The eyes, no, the eyes are fine. The eyes are fine. Let's walk <laughs> yes, away immediately. Yes. But the, the screaming, no, look at the eyes, look at the eyes. There's <laughs> one really old-timey doctor. He's like, the eyes are the window to the soul. You can tell everything by looking in a man's eyes. He's dead. Well, my work is done. <laughs> if, if Jane was especially fond of a patient, she would take a patient to the brink of death and then nurse them back to health. And what a marvellous recovery that was. Ooh. What a fantastic nurse she is. How very skilled, how diligent she is. By the time she'd finished her training, it's estimated she had killed at least a dozen people. And what? she left with a sparkling reputation. How? Do people just die at the nursing college? People, well, when it was a hospital, people die people, at hospitals. Hospitals, the greatest poison of them all. <laughs> people die at the hospital. People die at the hospital. I mean, she leaves with such a, an excellent reputation that she's offered a position at the Massachusetts General Hospital, much, much further up the, the rankings of hospitals. But they do run a much tighter ship. But she's killed 12 people uh, that we know of. That, yeah. How many did the other students kill? <laughs> if she intentionally killed 12 people, everyone else on that course, hundreds, hundreds have died. <laughs> and they're just giving her a medal going, you're the least number of deaths ever. She must have been pissed <laughs> off actually when she left. <laughs> I mean, while she's at Massachusetts General, uh, we have one patient named Amelia Finney. She survives Jane's atten attentions. But later she tells a story of Jane getting into bed with her while she was racked with convulsions. What? And Jane lies in bed, stroking her face, telling her it'll be all right soon. But Jane gets interrupted and has to flee the room. <laughs> Amelia <laughs> wakes the next day and thought she has been hallucinating. It's a crazy thing. Jane was so lovely. Jane wouldn't do this. Jane wouldn't do this. 
And it's only years later when Amelia reads about this in the press, she realises that was real. It wasn't a dream. And how close she'd become to being one of these victims. Oh my God. I've heard, That I've heard of. And I didn't realise it was this woman. I've heard about the nurse getting in. Oh, that, oh that's horrible. Oh God, imagine if some weird woman gets in bed with you and is going, it's all right. Dear, stroking your face that's the sort of thing i do to my friends to really freak them out and i imagine it would work <laughs> but do you have a syringe above their head <laughs> i'm worried that i've got some similarities with this woman because when anyone's ill i just do this really weird kind of don't worry you'll be at peace soon so yeah maybe she's my spirit animal that's, that's, <laughs> let's 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 hope not. let's hope not oh that's giving me shivers horrible i'm glad i'm glad it's working well <laughs> it's the corpse reviver no <laughs> Another one of those, I need yes. one. Jane's time at Massachusetts General comes to an end in about 1909. She's always been popular with the doctors for her work and for her manner with the patients, but she's increasingly less popular with her fellow nurses. She is still gossiping about getting them into trouble. If mistakes are found in Jane's notes and things like that, or on a patient's notes, Jane blames the other nurses. Oh, so. so she's getting more and more unpopular with, with the nurses. And then one day she makes... What seemingly is an incredibly silly mistake. She leaves the ward, but she doesn't get permission and she is dismissed. Oh. So that that seems to be, right, okay, we can get rid of her now. Oh, they're looking for an excuse to get rid of her. They're looking for an excuse to get rid of her. Mm. Um, even though the doctors are going, but why is she so nice? All the nurses are going, fucking hate her. <laughs> so they're looking for a reason to get rid of her. And this is it. It seems like such a minor Ooh, just thing. Such an admin thing. You know that you know that anyone who's worked in an office and you know the office bitch and you're always kind of waiting <laughs> for like all the things you know they've done that you can't get them for. Like wait for them to slip up, wait for them to slip up, wait for them to take that pencil home from their desk. They use the copier for their own personal use. Get them, get them. <laughs> So, I mean, after she leaves Massachusetts General, Jane decides to work as a private nurse in Boston. She thinks, well, she's going to be better off financially. And it was true, she's going to get much better pay as a, as a private nurse. Um, but it does lack the steady employment of being in a hospital. But what does work to her advantage is she's now free from the oversight of all these meddling doctors um, and their note-taking ways. She's her own boss. Indeed. And over the next eight years, Jane becomes one of the most popular and successful private nurses in Boston's. If an elderly patient in her care was reported to have died in her their sleep, then that wasn't unexpected. Hmm. So um, no doubt some of them were legitimate natural causes. I think many of them were probably not. Jane starts boarding with an elderly couple called Israel and Lovey Dunham. Great names. Good name. Lovey. Lovey. Lovey and Israel. Israel. And Lovey. They were actors, you know. <laughs> I mean, Jane decides that Israel is just getting too old. And he's getting feeble and he's a bit fussy. He's 38. <laughs> Not quite. I don't know how old he is, but he is an elderly chap. He's an elderly <laughs> chap. And so again, Jane comes out with um, the massive dose of morphine. The opium comes out, kills him. Everyone thinks, oh, heart attack. Very, very sad. Jane, you did everything you could. Yes, clearly. You were there. Jane, you're a wonder. Oh, look. A week later, Lovey's dead too. What? Grief. It must be grief. It must be the broken heart. From the loss. It's not uncommon. Not the massive, massive, massive injection of opium. No one's checking this. No one is questioning it. No one's it. checking this. They're old. They're old people. It happens. No one is there to say, but he was a perfectly healthy young man sort of thing. Why would he have a heart attack? It's accepted that that's, that's, that's what it was. No one's going to pay yeah, to do an autopsy or... No one's going to question the elderly. Exactly. And in, in case, I mean, there were cases where families 
did complain of their their elderly loved one dying in Jane's care. But then the doctors come out and defend her. What? And say, but she is an excellent nurse. She is, I've worked with her for years. She's absolutely, she's the, one of the finest she's the best woman she's the best woman yes there is actually a quote there's a, a doctor who comes out and he describes her as one of the finest women and best nurses he knew how many of these men is she sleeping with well <laughs> as far as i can tell actually none there's no reports that she was having there's affairs no there's with no them. reports that she's having affairs with any of these but she's beguiled all these people well through her her skill i think that the doctors are there she's got an excellent bedside manner with her patients many people get fantastically well after being in her care yeah um, so she's a competent nurse knows who to court in the hospital knows who to rub up you know rub shoulders with and who to immediately get rid of yeah she goes on to rent a cottage in cape cod and invites oh lovely lovely yeah, very nice. And she invites her, um, I'm going to call her foster sister, Elizabeth, to join her. Oh, how nice. Yes, I mean, Elizabeth is delighted at the invitation. From what I can see, Elizabeth very much liked Jane oh. um, when they were growing up. It was her mother that was a bit sort of know your place. But Elizabeth, who was the same age as Jane, well, there's another young girl in the but house. They had a sister. They had, I've got a, a sister, sister sort of thing. I've always wanted a sister. But, I mean, but Jane does not reciprocate those feelings as she is... No put probably all her anger that she had to Anne, the mother, all this, what she probably sees as unfair treatment, onto Elizabeth. And she hates Elizabeth. Oh, poor Elizabeth. I know. But Elizabeth is now a symbol of the childhood misery that Anne had, had put her through. Yeah, maybe you can imagine Elizabeth maybe a little bit little bit spoiled. Um, yes. A little bit kind of blind to the fact that, uh, you know, absolutely. oh, I've got a sister who is being very badly treated in comparison to me. But I've got a sister who's also probably doing the dishes and mopping the floors. I don't have to do exactly. that stuff. My my sister's making my bed for me in the morning. Yeah, I'm, I'm starting to side with uh, Jane <laughs> being a sibling myself, <laughs> having a sister. That's right, Emily. <laughs> but I mean, Elizabeth, as far as she's concerned, she's so happy to be invited and she accepts straight away. Off she goes. But it's only a few days later that Elizabeth's husband receives a telegraph telling him that she is seriously ill and that he must come at once. Oh, no. And by the time he arrives, Elizabeth is in a coma. <gasps> Apparently, the doctors say caused by a stroke. And it was only Jane's quick action and skill that she was alive at all. Elizabeth dies without ever regaining consciousness. No. With Jane constantly by her side. Watching. With a bottle of strychnine. <gasps> strychnine. Oh. So, yes. She certainly wasn't fussy about which poison she went for. It sounds like she saved the bastard one for Elizabeth. <laughs> for Elizabeth. I mean, mor- morphine, okay, yeah, fine. Opium, opiate, you'll go out and a kind of, ooh, 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 hi. No, but strychnine's not going to be a good day. Ooh, ooh, that's cold. Yeah. That's cold. And she sat by her side and watched. Oh, yeah, Exactly. Probably got into bed alongside, going, you'll be, a- you'll be okay, dear sister. I'll look after you. Have this medicine. It'll make you all better. Oh, God. Ooh, ooh. ooh. <laughs> Poor Elizabeth. All she wanted was a sister. Should have been less of a bitch. <laughs> Maybe Elizabeth was lovely. We don't know. I-, I think you're absolutely right. Probably spoilt and oblivious to the actual situation. But her ch- a child herself at the time. So Now she did. Shortly after her sister's funeral. Jane returns to another scheme that she's been working on. For several years prior, Jane has been friendly with Myra Connors, who is matron of John's Theological School at Cambridge. Oh, fair enough. Uh, But Myra's job comes with an apartment, a maidservant, (laughs) a regular (gasps) paycheck. In their letters and correspondence, Myra tells Jane she's suffering from a a stomach condition, periontinitis. 
And Jane, the nurse, between jobs, says, I will come help around the house, help look after you. Absolutely. <laughs> At Myra's funeral. Oh, for God's Jane sake. Jane mentions to Myra's boss uh, that, <laughs> that Myra had been planning on taking a sabbatical and that Myra had intended to recommend Jane as her replacement. Of course, of course. And, and I mean, obviously seeing a sort of loyal and devoted friend Jane had been to Myra, the dean offers Jane the job. While they're throwing the final dirt on the coffin, going, oh yeah, please, move into a house, take her job, take her shit, it's fine. J- I mean, J- Jane is there, I couldn't possibly, it's not right. Dean, please, she wanted you to have the job. No, 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 I can, oh, if you insist, yes, where are the keys? <laughs> she is terrible at the job. She is absolutely terrible at the job. Oh, no. And she is asked to leave within a year. Oh, I can imagine she'd be shit at that. No, no, a matron, you have to deal with kids all day. <laughs> exactly. So she's looking after kids, making sure they're up for their lessons, making sure they're and in bed. And people investigate when kids die. Yes. These are not the elderly patients that people go, oh, he's old, he died. Jane does not fare well in this environment. But for someone who is totally convinced of their own excellence it is a very hard thing i think probably to accept when you get fired for being terrible Um, (laughs) so jane makes plans and she returns to the house that's on cape cod that her sister went to she's still renting that and i mean no doubt it's filled with lovely fond memories of strychnine and needles (laughs) stroking dead people stroking dead people's faces i mean it's sort of sort of things you'd want to go back to and relive that the house belongs to a couple alden davis and his wife matty jane is well overdue on the rent she's been away a year for god's sake well, i mean it, exactly they had let it slide for a year due to the death of her sister but now we need to start getting some money in from this property that where they're renting out matty davis heads to boston to confront jane and say we need some cash or you need to vacate the property yeah. at matty's funeral oh for god's sake what <laughs> the davis family seek out jane and thank her for doing all she could to help her mother, who had come over so strangely and suddenly ill. Oh, for God's sake. She came over such, from such illness of poisoning, apparently. Yes. <laughs> thank God you were there to witness the poisoning. What? So she just... No, again, no one. No one is saying anything. That's the power of being a nurse, isn't it, though? I guess, you know, oh, you're a medical person. You've, you've, you've somehow qualified... <laughs> yeah i mean they they asked jane to stay on as a guest of the house to help look after the now willed, widowed alden no 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 don't do that don't do that no, no, jane no. can you come and you come and stay and help help look after him why are people congratulating her when everyone dies regardless of the fact that she's clearly poisoned at them if they're that stupid fine they can't work out that she's poisoned them she's not a good nurse these people are dead these people are old no dead <laughs> i no, i agree maybe all That's... the family are going actually we could do with getting rid of him <laughs> frankly yeah yeah stay with alden say well he's got a fucking nice house on cape cod we would like our hands on it yeah matty and alden have have a couple of daughters minnie and genevieve i love the names in all of this <laughs> yeah i know <laughs> brilliant names i mean they're obviously really? grief stricken at the loss of their mother and jane spies um, another opportunity what? no she tells minnie that she has seen Genevieve inspecting a tin of arsenic in the shed and that they, they should really keep an eye on her to make sure Whoa. she didn't do anything do anything crazy. She's in this state of mourning and grief for her mother. A week later, oh, look, she's dead. <laughs> oh, my God. 
gone. The Genevieve's dead. Genevieve is dead. <laughs> and at the time, dead. Oh, the, it's the stigma around suicide is so intense that the death is put down to heart disease. No autopsy, oh. no post-mortem, no examination. That's all we'll speak of it. It's, Case closed. It's chillingly awful, but it's clever. It's chillingly awful and clever. We, we're looking at this from the modern eye. You would spot it a mile off today. But at the yes. time, oh, these awful things have happened. Oh, you know, she's looking a bit sad. And suddenly she's just filled with arsenic. <laughs> Two weeks later, Alden. What? Passes away. What? Grief, his wife, his beloved daughter, dead. The morphine injection helps. <laughs> speed things along slightly but jane's not happy God. with this there's a set to complete no there's not, four of them not many i've got three i've got three <laughs> well i've got to get four otherwise i won't get my poisoner points the first dose of morphine leaves minnie unable to swallow oh, oh Jesus. She, she can't swallow so ever resourceful is jane the final fatal dose goes in by enema unsurprisingly doctors slightly confused yes this tell me this is the point at which someone raises an eyebrow she you can inject stuff perhaps she's used all her needles on killing everyone else i don't Uh, think she's going to be worried about mixing needles on the dead people i only had the three an enema oh that is excessive perhaps she just wanted something to do something different psychotic experimenting but an enema oh that poor girl and if you you can't swallow you can't say anything yeah not that that would change her mind. <laughs> yes, please stop. <laughs> oh, okay, sorry. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Oh. yeah, and the death again. Exhaustion this time, say the doctors. So, but she's had an enema of fucking morphine. But who's going to check for that? <laughs> Good point. <laughs> <laughs> well unless you have an autopsy I mean, surely there was an autopsy no autopsy no nothing. not that i'm aware of <sighs> fine the death of an entire family within the space of a month does not go unnoticed and as tends to be in these cases it's the papers who get hold of the story they write stories about the unfortunate davies family no one suspects foul play just a very very unlucky family enter the potential hero of the piece. It's Minnie's father-in-law. Yay! Oh, was she married? She was She was married. Oh, good God. Where the husband was, God knows. He's dead. But her father-in-law, <laughs> oh, he's probably dead as well somewhere. Mm. Her father-in-law is Captain Paul Gibbs. Captain Paul Gibbs. Oh my God, my uncle was called Paul. Paul Gibbs. That's the same name as my I uncle. I don't think Yay. it was him. I, well, no, I don't think it was him, no. <laughs> but if he's a hero of the story, my uncle was a hero. But I mean, he he's looking back at recent events going... Nah, something is something is awry yeah, on this one. Uh, well, exactly. He luckily he is senior enough. He has friends in the right places. Can I just check what he's a captain of? I believe the navy. He's not just a captain of shoes. <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't, know. <laughs> I don't know what other captains no. are. A military man, a naval captain, um, and say he was he had friends in the right places. One of his friends who uh, he actually had to entreat to start this investigation was the governor of cuba he paul had to say oi governor my mate whatever your name is don't know what your name was because he was from the tilbury docks all right <laughs> <laughs> oh, mr governor man where the fuck are you from <laughs> between them they were able to convince persuade the authorities to start an investigation hurrah okay, but the governor of cuba turns up he, he probably writes some letters with big fancy seals and things on going i'm a very important oh, man the, the wax seal he isn't just sent a seal no he hasn't just sent <laughs> he, he's, he's an important man people do what he says fair enough jane gets wind of this investigation and she leaves cape cod but she leaves <gasps> to go and visit her brother-in-law 
the widow of the sister that of she Elizabeth. has killed of Elizabeth. In a relatively short space of time, his sister is dead. What? Bloody and hell. He Why? Is Why? Deathly, deathly ill. But loyal, caring, loving Jane is nursing him back to health. Oh my God. But this time she has an ulterior motive. She wants to win his affections. She has fallen in love with the husband of her sister. Really? So she She's poisons capable him. capable of love? Well, I think in her in her own way, I love you, therefore I will poison you because I love you so oh, much. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then I will make you better and then you will love me. Oh, ooh. Ooh. It did not work. It did not work. <laughs> Um, I'm not surprised. Yeah, he goes, no, no, I don't think so. Um, you're you're, uh, you're crazy. <laughs> you're, you're a crazy lady. You've been lying in bed next to me the whole time going, love you, <laughs> strokey, 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 love you. But what she does is she takes herself an overdose of morphine. Wow. Not to, enough to kill herself, not fatal, but enough to put her in hospital. Okay. Enough to potentially take the heat off slightly so she's been a victim she's been a victim herself but what it does mm-hmm. mean is she's now in hospital but the detective who has been trailing her mm-hmm. all the way now has to fake an illness to get admitted into hospital no he doesn't well no he does to keep on but... investigating and keep an eye on her just go into the hospital just but he can't surely. he can't stay there he can't stay there overnight and observe what she does with other patients and things like that. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Because I so, was like, if he's investigating her, just go and visit her. You don't have to break a leg to talk to someone. <laughs> no, no, he's investigating from a distance and seeing what she does. Not a, Oh, not fair a, enough, okay. Not a, in interviewing, I'm going to talk to you sort of thing, but I'm going to see what you do. So he has All to right. fake an illness. What does he do? I don't know, unfortunately. <laughs> um, I, don't, I don't know. But you can imagine him, he's got a slight limp or something. Um, oh, yes. Shot himself sh- in the foot. Shot himself in the foot or something like that. <laughs> for a breast augmentation, he's in for that. <laughs> but he's there keeping an eye jane is discharged from hospital once she's recovered from her accidental overdose and she goes to stay with a friend of hers sarah nichols lucky sarah unfortunately a few weeks after jane arrives so do the police <gasps> they have exhumed minnie and discovered the evidence of poison found out she was a mouse sarah was understandably surprised to see her friend taken away but in the end, I think she probably feels incredibly lucky. Turns out there's there's no one Jane likes to murder quite so much as her nearest and dearest. Ooh. Jane is arrested only for the murder of Minnie. But the newspapers soon grab hold of the story. Mm. There's the whole of the Davis family, obviously. The death of Jane's sister, that was very sudden. That was unexpected. There was in-depth analysis of her habits. Everything she, she did. One thing that was brought out time and time again was she only has coffee for breakfast. <laughs> Obvious obvious deviance (laughs) (laughs) only coffee for breakfast so she doesn't eat anything only coffee for breakfast obviously obvious sign of clear deviance i do that sometimes sometimes as do i as do i intermittent fasting (laughs) also i get into bed with my sick friends and stroke their faces it's all coming together (laughs) my god if you've not tasted bacon (laughs) it turns out to be a lot more difficult to prove her guilt in a courtroom than it is in the pub and the coffee houses. The prosecution claims that Minnie has been poisoned with arsenic. No. Did, were, they, were they? Were they? No? No, no Minnie. That was, the Minnie that, was the, that was the other sister, Genevieve, as the arsenic. They think Minnie has been poisoned with arsenic. And they find arsenic in her system. But arsenic is used in the embalming process. Oh, for fuck's sake. By, by undertakers and things like that. The prosecution are banging on about there's arsenic, there's arsenic. Oh, look at the arsenic. But the undertakers, they go, uh, yes, hello, I used the arsenic. It was me. <laughs> <laughs> it was a newspaper interview with Captain Gibbs. 
Captain Paul that broke the case when they, he was asked for his opinion on arsenic being used he says I didn't think Topham would use anything as easily detected as, as arsenic mm. so the captain knew that she was far more skilled and knowledgeable and far more capable than the prosecutors really had been willing to admit I think up until this point they had been used to dealing with housewives who had killed their husbands with rat poison mm-hmm. that sort of thing that's what they were used to it's oh it's a woman did it they used arsenic from the kitchen end of story they weren't capable of considering anything as evil as what was what jane had done and again you know the tests at the time they were they were still in their infancy yes you could find arsenic finding other poisons not so easy absolutely i mean and again we have the papers are continuing to dig and dig and dig and dig and soon they come they come across the case of myra connors Mm. uh, the, the friend that she took the job from and eventually they trace um, a cousin of Nora, Nora Kelly, so Jane's original name, and find out about her father's history of mental illness, her sister also ending up in this, the asylum, um, and that just confirmed it to everyone. Je- Topham just wasn't a poisoner, but she was obviously insane. Yeah. She was She was absolutely, absolutely insane. The idea of e- examining her sanity rather than prosecuting her guilt now became the, the key focus on the trial. A panel of eminent psychiatrists uh, were set up uh, to examine Jane and to reach a conclusion that would stand up in, in court. Um, we have a Dr. Stedman, a Dr. Jelly and a Dr. Quinby. They begin... <laughs> I knew you would like that. I do like it. <laughs> they begin their sessions with Jane. At first, she is suspicious of the doctors trying to trick and her. And also that one of them's made of jelly. <laughs> but soon her sort of natural, boastful sort of nature wins out and they quickly pick up on her pathological lying and despite her original not guilty plea at the trial she confesses to them to 31 murders wow just Um, just gives it up just gives it up she's there chatting she is trying to probably trying to impress these men yes these these senior doctors that have been put there to study her she's better than all of them she knows what she's wow. doing. She's a clever woman. And they would know how to draw it out of her, that narcissism. They, well, exactly. What is they find most chilling is just her utter lack of remorse and the complete mm. calmness of which she does this. And at this point, this is where she reveals her habit of getting into bed with her victims. And the thrill she gets from watching them die um, and trying to see their soul leave the eyes. Wow. As she's lying in bed with these people. I mean, Jane knew what she was doing was wrong, but she didn't know why it was wrong. She couldn't understand. Just just no empathy. No whatsoever. empathy. Just watching the soul leave their eyes. Harks back to that doctor yeah. I made up earlier on as well. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> when, when you said that, I thought, oh, you just wait for what's coming. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so she knew so. what she was doing. She just didn't see that it was wrong. But yeah. she must have seen that it was wrong. Well, she knew that it was wrong. She knew that society frowned upon it. So she had to hide it. So she had to hide it. Yeah. She knew other people thought it was wrong. But she, but she didn't, didn't feel it. she didn't feel it is that she didn't feel what she was doing was wrong. Yeah, absolutely. The three doctors unanimously declare her morally insane. It's the closest term we have for a psychopath. Yes. Um, at that at that time. She was proclaimed the greatest monster in American history. She was the first woman well, she was the first person to be given the title of serial killer in America. Really? She was Apparently the first so. one. First Ooh. one in America to be given, to be described as that in, in the press. The jury took a single day to completely agree that Jane should be sent to a mental institution for the rest of her life. The Boston Globe says that she was the greatest criminal in the country. The Boston Post, she was named the modern Lucretia Borgia. <sighs> 
Jane is sent to Taunton State Hospital, despite a turn-of-century lunatic asylum being a rather unpleasant place. Mm. Jane seems to quite enjoy it. <laughs> She's a favourite amongst staff. Of course. Again, she gets on well with the superiors, telling tales, oh, someone did something wrong. But then the old saying that nothing would send someone crazier than being in the asylum <laughs> proves again to be true. Jane develops manic depression. She reverts to using her birth name of Nora um, and wants to become a nun. That, that is crazy. She becomes so paranoid that she refuses to eat anything for fear that it was poisoned. The, the papers gleefully contemplate her death and the satisfaction that it would, it would bring to her victims. But she doesn't die. She outlives them all. She dies in 1938. 1938? She's 81. Bloody hell. And uh, by then she is just another forgotten person in the asylum her crimes are long forgotten staff have been and gone and she's just crazy nora in the room in the corner no one can remember why she's there the press have moved on at the time of her of her death the boston post do run a small story that she is will be remembered as one of the most noted poisoners the world has ever known but that wasn't that wasn't to come true because no one know now knows who she is I think it's probably very likely that people have repressed the memory of of her, of Jane, because primarily she was a nurse. Nurses are supposed to look after you. They're supposed to be there when we're at our most vulnerable and our most helpless. And if you spend too long thinking about it, then you'll come to believe that every friendly nurse on every ward might be Jolly Jane. And then no one in hospital would ever sleep again. And that is the story oh. of Jolly Jane Toppen. Woo! Oh, chilling, Nick. <laughs> oh, what a great story. It's a long old story this, this week. Fascinating. But, um, but a fantastic story. It doesn't, it's relentless as well, you know. Yeah, and what a grim end as well for her. I yes. mean, obviously just, is it is it the, the, the greatest punishment of all is that you're forgotten. From a woman at the beginning of the story, she wanted to be world-renowned as of killing more people than anyone in history mm. and at the end she is forgotten about yeah there's some justice i suppose in in that as you say it's a little bit yeah. like um i suppose it was the teacup poisoner your man graham young who who had no empathy for his victims at all no sympathy no empathy Absolutely. was quite happy and wanted to be known as this sort of person but yeah that idea of that she's a nurse we don't really want to think about that, do we? No, absolutely. So if you do think about it too long, it is absolutely terrifying. I think naturally, when you listen to true crime stories, you listen to any kind of murder cases, there's bits of the character where you try and spot out, oh, that's clearly a sign of a psychopath, or if it was me back then, I would have pointed that out. And then there's also the character traits in these people where you think... It's not too far away from home. Not obviously the murdering bit, not the poisoning bit. <laughs> but, you know, the, the, the trying to court the superiors in all of the institutions that she worked in, the trying to shame others and to point the mm. finger and never taking blame, but being so charming and lovely, you know. I'm sure we've all met people like that. We don't think of them as murderers. Gotcha. Maybe they are. No. <laughs> but you will now. Maybe we will now. Every time I'm in a hospital with a nurse, I'm like, hello. <laughs> But yeah, that's, that's the angel of death idea, isn't it? That you have absolute mm. control over the people in your care. That can be the only explanation as well. The fact that she's a nurse. Then no one said anything. Absolutely. I mean, that's how she got away <sighs> with this all along. With a row of doctors, uh, each step, doctors behind her going, but she's a fantastic nurse. She has my trust entirely. But she's not. Throughout she's her killed career. many. Again, I, mean, I know we said it earlier, you know, that she, she she's obviously 
been smart enough to heal people and it's, we, we know about the deaths we don't know how many lives she saved and got a kick out of yeah, that absolutely. you know so she can't be completely just focused on the death but, no absolutely yeah but still she's got to have some competence obviously a very skilled nurse yeah um, she had to get away with what she did for as long as she did well i mean the obvious modern echoes are harold shipman quite indeed why didn't anyone say anything why didn't anyone know why did he do this but how could it not have been spotted beforehand yeah. and it's just the simple caring doctor you, medical you trust, practitioner you trust them so sleep well everyone <laughs> if elizabeth had only and her mother had only let her share on those aniseed balls a whole lot of hassle would have been saved but yeah i mean she clearly had a horrible childhood this pretty yes. distressing background where she is so determined for attention and love and to be and to have power i suppose because it was taken away from her she had no control over her life i do this is one i actually i do want to talk to Ro about yeah because i think her her input on this would be Ro, where are you where are you Ro? <laughs> where are you Ro? Um, we have wine come 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 because it is one of the first <laughs> ones we've come across where that is just done for pure because i want to do it mm. there's no real financial gain in it there's no, no bumping people because they're in her way. She does it because of the thrill she gets out of it. Yeah, and the people that she's she's racked up on that list. She could have run at any point and she still goes to the brother-in-law's house and she still goes to a mm. friend and so does that. Like, whew, well, a chilling tale for a Barbie June evening. What do you think? What do you think of the story? Come and see us on Instagram, Facebook, on Twitter. Have a chat with us. Share your thoughts about the story. And, of course be mixing up a corpse reviver to get you through it definitely worth a try even if you're not an absinthe or an aniseed fan i really recommend this one you're not going to go there and throw up everywhere it's a it's a it's a good one it's a good one handy tip if you're not a fan of absinthe get a little miniatures bottle oh yes good idea get a little miniatures bottle for a three or four quid and because you're just doing a rinse, it'll last you forever. Uh, we're also going to give a bit of a shout out to um, some of our fans who do post cocktails every single week when we do them. Now, I don't <laughs> know because we sort of chat under your usernames on the various channels. So you may be the same people. You may be a whole host of people. But Chris Matlick on Facebook, who talks to husband every week about what's the secret ingredient is waiting to come out absolutely fantastic we love you thank you for posting and for sharing and on instagram we have cockeyed bastard and hotspurn you may be the same people uh, but we we love you even more so we love it guys if you are drinking a cocktail no matter what it is whatever you're mixing up share it with us tag us use the secret ingredient mix up your own cocktail and we will share the post and we will make you famous make you famous <laughs> If you enjoy our episode, remember to share it with a friend, download the episode, subscribe, and please, please, please leave us reviews on iTunes. So many of you have left us beautiful reviews. That's the site that really counts for us. But steal someone's iPhone, go on there, just give us a five-star review, obviously, <laughs> and write some lovely words. So, we have been the people inside the Poisoner's Cabinet. We will see you next week. And remember, your loved ones are... Trying to kill you. Goodbye.